Hello and welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry Moten. Today we continue our series titled Purpose, Potential, and Power with a message titled The Power of Love. While most people believe that love is delicate and soft, what we often fail to realize is that love is actually the most powerful force in the universe. Today we scratch the surface on the power of love and its connection to Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 4. So we've been talking through our guest speakers all through the month of September about purpose, potential, and power. At the beginning of September, I, I, I preached a message And the message title was Turning Points. And that message was about uh, understanding that the Christian life is filled with points of turning, points of change, points of, of, of opportunity that we make decisions about how we're going to proceed. And interestingly enough, in that message, one of the things we talked about was we talked about Numbers chapter 13 and how in Numbers chapter 13, God has taken the children of Israel, heard their cries. He heard their cries. And what were their cries? Their cries were their cries that they had had from being slaves. They had been slaves in Egypt as a result of they become, them becoming so numerous. They originally got to Egypt because we've all heard of Abraham, but Abraham's grandson has a group of children, and one of those children, the next to the youngest one, named Joseph. We know that he was sold by his brothers because he had this lofty vision of himself. And his brothers were insulted by it, and they got angry because not only was he having this dream, but his father treated him differently. And while they were out working in the field, his father put a coat of many colors on him and then sent him out to check on his brothers. So they're all working in the sun, and Joseph comes out with his beautiful coat on saying, how y'all doing out here? (laughs) And we know that the story goes that Joseph eventually goes to Egypt and he saves the nation of Egypt through divine intervention. But his descendants have now become slaves. The man who sent to save the nation, his descendants have now become slaves. And they cry out and God hears their cries and brings them a deliverer, Moses. I'm giving y'all Old Testament walkthrough as we go through this. (laughs) Moses, a Hebrew, is born at a time when the Hebrews are so numerous that Pharaoh gives a command that we got to get rid of these male Hebrews. We cannot have them reproducing around here. Too many of them. So they start killing off babies. But Moses gets favor in God's eyes as a baby and is not only delivered from death, the genocide that was happening, but he's brought into Pharaoh's house where he grows up. And once again, the person that comes to Pharaoh ends up having to be a deliverer. So he leads the children of Israel out of their slavery by supernatural signs and wonders. And when they get out into the wilderness, now here they are, and the people who have witnessed the miracles and the people who have cried out to God for deliverance now have a turning point in which they say, you know what, Moses, we want to go back. We know we were slaves and all. However, we want to go back. Because when we were back there, we had leeks and garlic and we had good stuff. Out here, we're eating this stuff that's coming out of the sky. It's only good for one day, 
I can't even pick it and hold it because why? Because it's only good for the day it falls from the sky. God told us to call it manna. And, and so we eat it and it's kind of sweet and all. But it, if we try to keep it, it rots in our bags. And we can't find water all the time. We moving from place to place. And we went out and spied out the land and God did not allow us to go there. Well, the reason they couldn't go into the promised land is because they rejected God's invitation. So personal turning points have to do with us as Christians recognizing what the season is, recognizing what the time is, recognizing that, you know what, God has done things in our past and indicate that he's there. See, they all had known about Joseph. They all knew how Moses delivered them. They knew all those wonderful things God had done. They saw the witness. They were witnesses of the plagues that hit Egypt. They saw what happened to their adversaries. They saw what happened. All those things were occurring, but they found themselves at the point of decision when God says, listen, I want you to go into the land, spy it out, see what it's like. See, is it really good? See if it's everything I told you it was. As a matter of fact, don't send the scrubs. Send your best and brightest to see it. Don't send people who are likely to be scared. Send the best. Send the choice from each of your tribes. Tell them to go out and see if the land is really what I said it was. And those 12 went, they saw that it was exactly what God said it was, yet 10 of them came back and said it was good, except there's a problem. <laughs> Turning points come when you face a problem and you have an answer, but sometimes you evaluate the answer as to whether you can handle it. But God told them to go look and see if it's what I said it was. And if it is, then you can go into the land. So in that message, we talked about what the ramifications specifically of the leaders was. Ten of the leaders said, we can't do it. As a matter of fact, when we were out there, we looked and we saw ourselves as giants. Excuse me, as grasshoppers. The people were giants out there. But we saw ourselves like grasshoppers, and they saw us like grasshoppers too. Well, if you're a spy and you're hiding and people can't see you, who told you that they look at you like grasshoppers and they didn't even see you? See, our mental conditioning teaches us certain things, and that mental conditioning holds on to us in ways that are not visible to others. But that mental conditioning impacts how we make decisions and how we look at things. So when we get at turning points in life, we make decisions based on our mental state, even when God has told us something different. So when I was struggling financially and I read my Bible that I ought to tithe, I could not tithe because my mental conditioning would not allow me to tithe. Even though I read... God has a promise about tithing. But I can't tithe because my mental conditioning is a block to me. It is not allowing me to see money properly because I grew up the children of, as a grandchild of grandparents who lived through the Depression and their viewpoints on money impacted how we lived. And they packed up the truck and they moved out of Arkansas and they came to California. Amen. <laughs> yeah, we went west. But we got here. But we were still Arkansas mentality. Nothing wrong with being from Arkansas. But they grew up on the farms. They didn't know anything about anything except grow something sell something, go back and grow some more. That's what they knew. That's what they did. So when we got to California, that's what we knew. That's what we did. And until something would step in and change the way we view the world, they would pass on a generational mindset from my grandparents to my mother and to me. And if I never know anything different, I will pass on the same generational mindset. 
to the next generation. Not because I'm evil, not because I'm bad, because it's what I know. Can somebody say amen? amen? Turning points are when what you know gets challenged by what God says. Your turning point is what you know has to interact between what God says. And as we used to say, whose report will you then believe? <laughs> amen. So let's talk about something in this context, which is who is God? So we have up here 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is what? God is love. <laughs> Let's read it again. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He doesn't love, doesn't know God. Because God is love. Here's a turning point for people's lives. Sometimes in Christianity, we have not been taught fully that love is the indicator on how well you know God. Now, <laughs> the problem is, is that one of the reasons people hate Christianity is because we don't have any love. Amen. <laughs> I guess I'll go to my notes on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to say it again. One of the reasons people hate Christianity is because we don't love. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. If you hear people say, Christians don't have no love, God, all these mean Christians, these Christians, uh, they hate everybody, they hate this, they hate that, they, all, the, all the things that we hate get publicized and told, we don't love. And but the Bible says here, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'm taking y'all somewhere. I want y'all just, just I, want, I want you to get, I want you to get stuck here, please. I want you running any further. I want you to really get stuck here. One more time. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I want you really quickly, I want you to take a look over on the side here. We got a couple of items on the wall. We have some flowers and some leaves, and uh, we have a, a concrete pillar. So when you look at those items over there, what would you say is the strongest item? <laughs> the fire extinguisher, yeah. You can put out fires. It's, it's, got, you know, it's got special power in there, amen. What would you say is the least strong thing over there? So God is love. And what are some of the symbols that people assign to God when we talk about love? Flowers. We got the cross. We talk about the love of God. What else? What else? Footsteps in the sand. Yes. But what is God? So how do you view love? So if you had to pick something of those things over there that most represent God, what would you pick? 
<laughs> Again, we got a lot of different answers now. <laughs> Turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. See, the question I'm going to ask you is a kind of a turning point question, and that is, what do you really think about God? What do we really believe about God? What do we think about God? If we're going to talk about this is going to be a year of purpose, potential, and power, or potential purpose and power, how do we perceive God? Because everything that we think about concerning our potential, our purpose, and our power all comes from the knowledge of who God is. But what do we think about God? Because if we think of God as flowers and footprints in the sand, the footprints in the sand get washed away as soon as the water comes. The flower dies when the sun hits it too bad. What do we think about God? See, I, I, see you understand, your mental pictures have to do with how your perceptions are. And we get flooded all the time with a lot of images and a lot of pictures of a lot of things. And those things cloud how we think. Because whether we understand it, like it, or want to accept it or not, you get influenced by what you see. I became a Raider fan because I grew up in Oakland and I saw silver and black everywhere. I'm a Raider fan. <laughs> That's my team. Sorry, don't, don't apologize for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. It's what I saw. It's what I was exposed to. And therefore, I became a fan of my home team, even though they didn't live in my home. <laughs> Amen. All right. I'll, I'll let that one pass. Purpose is God's intention in your, cre in your creation. Why did God make you? Your purpose is related to why God made you. His intention for what he created. We have to renew our minds to think about purpose the way God does. Because, see, we think about purpose in terms of sometimes what you do. But God's intention is why he made you. And the why may or may not have to do with what you do. Potential is the full capacity of something often revealed in hidden abilities. Everything God makes is fully equipped. I rented a car a few weeks ago, and I got in the car, and uh, I, was, I was just expecting to get a car. I, I pick cars because of leg room. I don't, I don't pick it for other things. You know, you know that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for leg room, right? Yeah, I got a lot of amens in the house. Amen. But I got in the car, and the car had all this, woo, equipment in it. It had a built-in car, I mean, a phone charger. You just lay your phone on top of the thing, and it charges on its own. Woo, man, are you kidding me? Wow. It had Apple Play, my, my iPhone just connected to, the, connected to the car. I'm like, wow, man. It was reading text for me. <laughs> Somebody sent me a text that said, uh, they, I'm not going to tell you the whole text, but it, it, one little part of it got to is reading through the whole text, and, it, and then it said, dark skin, thumbs up. <laughs> Some of y'all that got emojis on your phone, you know it, was, it, it interpreted the emoji. I'm like, man, this is technology, man. Wow. <laughs> man, this car got potential I didn't know it had. Car's reading my text and telling it's, it's discerning what it sees. Wow, that's potential right there, man. What can I do in that car? Amen. Might be in the market pretty soon. Amen. Praise the Lord. Power is the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's given potential and power and purpose. Excuse me. So power is related to how God is going to use something in order to get his purpose and potential fulfilled. You came into the world fully equipped. Tell your neighbor, say, I think you were fully equipped when you got here. Uh-huh, that little six-pound, eight-inch, little whatever you were. Fully equipped. 
especially if you was a nine pounder. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Supersize, baby. Yeah. Matthew 22. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Laughter doeth good like medicine. Amen. That's why I love the Bible. It addresses everything. You get sick, first thing you need to do is get some jokes in your house. Get some laughter. Get laughing about something. Amen? Amen. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he has silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Wow. First thing first, Jesus gets engaged by the Sadducees, and the Sadducees try to trip him up, and not only did he shut them down, but the rumors went out about it. <laughs> Man, do you know Jesus shut all them Sadducees down? So the Pharisees came together and said, we got, we got to make a plan here. Verse 35, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. When we first started this church, God gave us a mission, and that was to walk in love, to make disciples, and to help manifest abundant life, right? So we're having a Bible study one night, and a lady that was at the Bible study, and she said, you know, the love here is great. She said, but how are you going to sustain it? You can't sustain it. And I heard, it, I heard her say that, and, and I started thinking about it. I was like, man, how are we going to sustain the love? And I started trying to figure out, how are we going to sustain the love? Man, how are we going to do that? Oh, man. And I started, then all of a sudden, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get shook. Man, should not we be saying this? Because we, we we we're telling people we're going to love. Should we really be saying this? We're going to get judged on this. <laughs> the Bible says, it says, blessed are the peace, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, chapter 5 rather. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall see God. And so I, I didn't understand that passage for a long time. And then the Holy Spirit said, Peacemakers see God because they look for him. <laughs> Peacemakers aren't trying to make their own way. They're looking for God's will, so they always see God. Blessed are the peacemakers because they're going to see God. Why? Because they're going to try to make peace and they're going to see him there. Amen. <laughs> and so the answer to how are you going to sustain the love, we're not. God is. Because God is love. And if God shows up, then love is here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If God shows up, that means love is here. But the, just like anything else, there's money in this room, but it only comes out if somebody's buying something, giving, or giving somebody else something. It's hidden until somebody has a need. <laughs> Amen. Y'all a little tense about that money thing, right? <laughs> I thought it was going to be a bigger revelation than that. <laughs> Just because you don't see something doesn't mean it's not there. There's air in the room, but you can't see it, isn't it? This room is filled with air, but you can't see it. Amen. There, I don't see the. Where is the? I don't see no air in this room. This thing, this this place ain't got no air in it. You breathe it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Just because you don't see something does not mean it's not there. And just because we're not loving on each other don't mean love is not in the room. <clears throat> just because we're not extending love to each other does not mean love is not in the room. Because God is love. And if God is here, love is here. 
Man, I almost ran out of my office when I got up. Man, I started meditating on this. Matthew 22 tells us that loving God is the first commandment. You should love the God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You should love your God from your inside. Love God from the inside of you, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Give him all of you. Can you love God with everything? That's the first commandment. Sometimes my biggest struggle loving on people is because I'm not loving on God like I need to. I had somebody to work with, and for some reason I had been, I had been, I had just mastered the workplace love. I just, I love on everybody in the workplace, no problem. And then all of a sudden, some new person came into the environment. And they haven't really done anything bad. It's just, they just, for whatever reason, they wear me down. They just, just seem to wear me down. I, I just, oh. And I was dry, I'd be driving home. I'm all usually I'm not worshiping on the way home. I'm not listening to the radio on the way home. I'm just thinking about why is this person doing? Oh, I'm driving like an hour, hour fifteen minutes home, and the whole drive I'm thinking about this person. Just all oh, the whole ride. Why is this person dominating my thoughts? <laughs> and the Lord said. Because you've allowed your feelings to stop you from loving them. <laughs> How do you love without your feelings? He said, Derry, your perception of love is weak. <laughs> he said, you thinking about love like flowers and leaves. He said, but in Matthew 22, I said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor like yourself. These are the two greatest commandments, and on these two hang all the law and the prophets. On these two hang all. Now, if we were going to hang something up, Let's say we're going to hang these speakers up. We're going to take them off the stand and we're going to hang them. Would you prefer to hang them on those flowers or would you hang them on the concrete? Why? It's strong enough to hold it. Oh, man. It's strong enough to hold it. So what he said, he said, on these two hang all the law and all the prophets, all the weight of the law, which you know you can't keep it all. All that weight of pressure of trying to not eat pork and wear the right thing and do all this stuff that you know that the law tells you you have to do. The endless laws and regulations and whole chapter of Leviticus and half the book of Deuteronomy. All, all these laws all put up there. And then on top of that, all the prophets that came and prophesied, all of them, they all hang on love. So is love weak or is love strong? <laughs> is love weak or is love strong? <laughs> yeah. But our perception of love is that love is delicate, it's weak, it's easily broken, easily destroyed. Ooh, man, the love is strong. Love is like concrete. So when you love somebody, next Valentine's, give concrete for Valentine's. <laughs> Baby, I love you. I brought you a block of concrete, show you how much I love you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> love is strong love is not weak the perception of the world is that we don't love because they believe there's weakness in love and they don't see the strength in the love that we offer 
Because, mm. see, we love people enough to tell them the truth. Because we're strong enough. Because we love them enough to speak the truth in love. See, we want sometimes love to be kind and gentle, and it is. But it's also filled with truth. It's also patient, long-suffering, strong. Man, isn't that awesome? My mother loved me. She was long-suffering with me when I was crazy as a beetle bug. My family was all, they were all Christian. They were all saved. They brought the, you know, I, I did my genealogy. I found out that my, one of my ancestors was a pastor. And, you know, they came out of slavery. He was a pastor. And then, then they was passed down. And then uh, a bunch of them, they were all deacons of the church. They were all there. And they came to California and they got a church and they were there doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm an atheist in a Christian household for generations past. My mother got an atheist in the house. You, know, you, you find out you got, a, you got a mouse in the house? You figure out how to get rid of him? Well, she couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> you call the exterminator? Oh, yeah, you know, get him out of here. No, she had, to, she had to live with it. But her love was stronger than my opinions. And she loved me through it. And she loved me until the point of my salvation. And my brother was struggling in his life and he was struggling with things and he didn't believe in God. And my mother was battling physically and she held on. And when my brother said, I gave my life to Jesus, my mother's health just went. Why? Because our work was done. Mm. She was fighting, 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 and then my brother says yes to God, and what happens? She got peace. When that brother who was struggling, when he went to heaven because he passed away young, he had said yes to God, and I watched my mother sit in the house, sit up straight when she was weak. Everybody who came to console her, she was just sitting up straight, talking about the goodness of God. Why? Because that strength of love strengthened her mortal body even when her body was too weak to do things normally. Woo! Come on. Talking about love being strong. I'm talking about the love of God being strong in us, not weak in us. Woo! <laughs> Amen. Turn to John 13. John 13. Mm. St. John chapter 13. Mm. John 13, verse 34. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, it does not say, Jesus didn't tell his disciples, love each other like you love your friends. It doesn't say, love each other like your parents loved you. It says, love your neighbor the way I love you. <laughs> he said, I want you to love people the way I love people. And when you love people that way, that's how people are going to know you're my disciples. Because you love like God loves. Woo, amen. Are you thinking to yourself, man, I can't love like that. You should love a man so, so greatly that you lay down your life for his friend. Your, no greater love has anyone than this, than to lay down their life for their friends. That's what Jesus said. Me and my friend, we were young. We were 16 years old, and we uh, were getting ready to have a fight with some guys on our railroad tracks right next to Tessa Faranga in Oakland, 82nd 
right? So we're out on the railroad tracks. You want to have a fight? And my friend said, I got you. <laughs> and so the guy who I end up squaring up with has a chain, and he pulls the chain out, and he starts swinging the chain and hit me in the side of the head. Pop! I'm like, oh. You know, I love God. I'm telling this story, right? I'm telling this ain't no glory story here. So as I see myself doing this here, I look over and I see my friend go. (laughs) Greater love than a man than this. (laughs) Than to run away from his, when his friend get hit, right? I'm like, what? Actually, actually, this is how good God is. I just, I had a little beauty mold that came up after that. Ah, oh, man. I'm, uh, anyway, all right. We're still friends. We're still friends with that brother. Yeah. I was mad for a minute, but we got over that. So we, we moved on. <laughs> we moved on. Amen. A lot of mileage since then. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We were there before. We're going to begin at verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. I jokingly about, I joke about that because the fact of the matter is, is that people want to be there for you, but fear gets in the way. Sometimes you can't, I can't be with you because I'm, I'm afraid of what's going on. I can't handle this. I had a friend, I was 20 years old. I had a friend that, that, got cancer. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle it. I want to be available, but I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe there's a God at the time. I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to hang around during treatment? Am I supposed to keep telling jokes? Am I, what, what am I supposed to, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 20 years old, ignorant, I don't know nothing. And I'm trying to deal with it, but I don't know what to do. My fear drove a wedge between me and my friend. Why? Because of my fear. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of death. They're going down a pathway. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how to deal with it. So what do I do? I back away. Because I didn't have a God kind of love. I had a human love with great intentions. I had a human love with great affection. I had a human love that, that didn't have any ill will, but my human love had a line. And the line was my saturation point. When I saturate, that's all I have to give you. And when I run out, I don't know what else to do. And all of us have human love that goes to that level. It goes with great intention as far as it can go. And then when it goes as far as it can go, it's auto gas. Your car can do you well, but when it runs out of gas, it stops. Period. (laughs) And it ain't running until it gets something else in it. And that's how human love is. When human love runs out, it's done. And sometimes when our human love's out, runs out, because we feel bad about it running out, then what we do is we start to squabble with each other, and then we have a reason to go different ways. When our human love runs out, we squabble, and then we have an excuse. You go left, I'll go right. No hard feelings. I just ain't got no love for you. I'm out. Wow. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you run out of human love, God so loves us, he will pour into us a supernatural love to take us where we should not be able to go. Woo-wee! Come on. I'm talking about being filled with the love of God in such a way that you can defy strife. (laughs) Amen. 
1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Let's go to verse, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the one I want. That's the one I want. Yep. Love is of God. All right, let me read it again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested. Say manifested. manifested. In other words, love can be there and not be manifested. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Just think about that one for a second. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Amen? <laughs> Woo! In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the substitution for our sins. Tell your neighbor, say, God loves you so much. He sent a propitiation. So that, that means, that means, that means, that means a substitution for your sins. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. If God so loves you that he's blotted out your sin from your remembrance, then boy, you ought to love one another. Man, we ought to love one another if we can receive that forgiveness from God. Have you noticed that whenever God talks about prayer or faith, when Jesus talked about it, that at the end of his dialogue, he says, and if you don't forgive your brother. <laughs> Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be the name. We, we, we quote the whole Lord's Prayer and get down there. We stop right there. But the next verse says, and if you don't forgive your brother. <laughs> wow. The greatest teaching on prayer has one verse that we seem to always skip. Jesus blew on his disciples. Receive me the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive, I forgive. What? I thought I was getting the Holy Ghost. Yes, whoever sins you forgive, I forgive. You got the Holy Ghost and responsibility for forgiveness. Wow. Mm. Woo, the Holy Ghost is here. That means we can all forgive. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I'm telling you, this is, good. this is getting me. Hallelujah. Verse 11. If God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, then God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. When you receive the spirit of God, you receive the power to love. When you get the Holy Spirit, you have the power to love. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. With the evidence of walking in love? Yes, I have it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I got the evidence of speaking in tongues and walking in love. Amen. Praise the Lord. What does that mean? It means we got a, got a turning point here, people. We got a turning point. Do we want to be known by our gifts and talents or do we want to be known by our love? Do we want to be known by our abilities or do we want to be known by the love of God that's coming out of us? Do we want to be known because we know the whole Bible or do we want to be known because the love of God abides in us? Woo Come on. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. 
Glory to God. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Let me tell you something. If you can abide in love, you become Superman. <laughs> if you learn how to abide in love, you become a superhero. Why? Because you have something in you that cannot be destroyed. You have something in you that can't be overcome. You have something in you that can't be destroyed. You have something in you that cannot be stopped. Because <laughs> it is the character of God on the inside of you. <laughs> listen, listen. If you can walk in love, let me tell you something. If you can walk in love and activate your potential, Ooh, what would happen? Come on. Man, if you could take your potential and activate the love of God into your potential, what could you do? Instead of showing up at work, figuring out what you can get, figure out what you can love on. And then release your potential. I was trying to write this book. It ain't never right. Throwing away, balling up papers, deleting files, frustrated, can't get the book right. The Lord said, you ain't never going to get it right because you ain't trying to love. You're trying to get your stuff out. <laughs> you are not walking in. Your potential can't be released. Because your faith is caught on you. Turn your mind to who you're trying to bless with the book. And then I'll let you write. Mm, man, do you understand what I'm telling you? Get your focus off of you. Let your potential be released through the love which is concrete. Your love can be built on. Your love can build stuff if you get your love as your driver of your potential. I stopped worrying about certain things. And I just said, I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to let chips fall the way they fall. Praise the Lord. I'm going to do it in love. Holy Spirit gave me some very clear instructions. I said, okay, Lord, I'm sticking with those instructions. He said, yes, keep the love and the focus. Keep that. If you make a mistake, let it be O-L. Overloving. If you make a mistake, let it be that you overloved on something. But love is not just being nice. Love is being concrete. <laughs> it's being whatever God says we need to be. It's being filled with what God says and doing what God says to do. Amen. Romans 5, go to Romans 5. No, no, stay there. Let me finish this up. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, oh, you're kidding me. I'm going to have boldness in the day of judgment because as God is, that's how I am in this world right now. God is love and so am I. I got to make that confession. I got to start making that declaration. I'm not God, but I sure am filled with him, which means I got love in me. That means when the person that's getting on my everlasting last nerve, when he gets there, I got to have some more love to go over the top of that. Man, what kind of power would you have if love was your power? What kind of power would you have if love was your power? Mm. What kind of purpose would you have if purpose was your love, how you love? If everything you did, you did with the purpose of walking in love, how would you love? How would you do it? Purpose, potential, and power. What if love was the cornerstone of all those things in your life? 
and not just human love. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. You ever been scared to talk to somebody? There's no fear in love. You know how to squash that thing? Love. (laughs) There's no fear in love because fear involves torment. Torment doesn't come from the throne of God. How do you start loving? How do you start? You start loving by starting to say, you know what? I'm going to start with making a list of people I need to love on. And I'm going to start loving them by praying for them. I'm going to start, I'm going to make me a list of folks and I'm going to, and don't, don't write 2,000 names on the page. You ain't going to pray for them, I'm telling you now. Write down six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. 12. Write them down and start praying for them. Start praying like you're praying for yourself. Start loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Start lifting God up and letting the praise arise from your heart. Let that start to strengthen you from the inside, and then you continue to pray over people. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love your neighbor the way Jesus loves you. John chapter 17, what did Jesus do? He said, Lord, Father, I pray, take these that you gave me, and I pray for them. I take these that you put in my hands, and I haven't let one of them get away. I prayed for all of them except the son of perdition. In other words, I knew it was the devil when he got in my hand, but I prayed for him anyway. And he just went. You think Jesus prayed for Judas? <laughs> he said, of course Jesus prayed for Judas, but guess what? As he is, so are you in the world. Come on. Woo-wee. Some people drink to get drunk. I'm, I'm, fi- I'm drinking you to, to get sober. <laughs> I'm pouring out something to get sober with. <laughs> get your eyes clear. Wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm telling you. God is good, isn't he? Come on. Last verse, five and five. Romans 5 and 5. I guess you need to know what what book, right? Romans 5 and 5. Woo, man. Some of us have big dreams that God has given us. Your big dreams got to have that love poured on top of them. Galatians, Galatians 5 and 6 says, Faith Worketh by love. In other words, great faith, if you find great faith, I guarantee you, if it's really faith, it's really operating, love is the driver. Amen? Sometimes you have to have that great love in order for great faith to be fueled. And so things that I've been believing God for, I had to take them back and put them back on the sheet. And I said, I had to say, Lord, thank you for revealing to me who we're serving with this. Lord, show me who we're serving. Show me who we're called to serve with this. And then when we see a face, then we can pour love on the face. And then when we try to deliver, we deliver with God's power, God's potential, and God's ability on whatever it is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let nothing be done from selfish ambition. Woo! Amen. Romans 5 and 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in Whose hearts? hearts. Say it again. By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Come on. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our spirits, our hearts, by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Mm. What do you believe about love and what do you believe about God? That's the big question for the day. There's a story in the Bible. 
that is about Joseph. As we were talking earlier about Joseph going into slavery. His brother sold him into slavery. And Joseph went from being a slave to eventually becoming a prisoner. And while he's sitting in prison, he helps a couple of people and tells them, when you get out, just remember me. And they got out and forgot about him. <laughs> so he sits in prison for years. And then all of a sudden, God works it out so that the person who he helped in prison remembers him at just the right time. And he's brought before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him, answer my dream. So Joseph answers the dream. And Pharaoh says, I'm going to put you over everything that has to do with this dream. Since you had the answer, I believe that you're here for that purpose. And in one day, he went from being a prisoner to being the prime minister of a country. Amazing. And I would say, wow, that's amazing. That, that's the only thing that only happens in the Bible, except it happened in Nelson Mandela, too. Yes. <laughs> the Bible ain't just fairy tales. Real. Here's the most important part of that story, and it's the same in both of those cases. When Joseph's brothers, who think that by now he must be dead, find themselves in a drought and have to go to Egypt to get food, and Joseph sees them and invites and actually sets up a situation where they have to come to him, and when he gets them, he puts everybody else in the room and he tells them, I'm your brother Joseph. And they immediately got nervous. <laughs> you, the guy, you the guy we sold in the slave, slavery like 20 years ago? Yeah, I'm that Joseph. And I'm the prime minister of Egypt. And they're nervous. And he says, no. God sent me here. So I'd be here to save you. You know what was working? The spirit of love. The spirit of love was working. When you have, how do you know it's working? When you have your chance to get back and instead you embrace. The Bible said he started crying so loud that the Egyptians outside the door heard him. Why? No hatred. Nelson Mandela's in prison, comes out, he becomes the president. Does he go out and say, round up all the people? <laughs> no, he says, no, we're going to be a nation of peace. We're going to make equality here. And he set his efforts to do that when he had an opportunity to be angry. See, next week we're going to talk about resolving conflict. Because we got to know how to not just say love. We got to know how to do love. Amen. Amen? Amen. We got to know how to do love. It starts with saying, you know what? God's in control. If somebody don't like me, it ain't because I'm bad. <laughs> it might be because I did something wrong. <laughs> but... Can I, as much as in my power, make it right? And then if it's not right from there, can I still love? Can I still embrace? Tammy had a dream one time, and in the dream, something happened, and it was like a situation where I was wounded, and I was ignoring it. I was still doing the same thing. And the Lord told her, he said, don't worry, it's okay. There's a clean cut, I'll reattach it. What does that mean? It means even if you get wounded, God still says, you walk the love walk. Even if you get harmed or wounded, even if it hurts, you got to just love. Because why? Because when you run out of your human love, God's love is going to kick in. 
if you open the door for it. Amen. If you keep the door shut till your anger, then it's not flowing. But if you can keep the door open, then the love of God will pour out on the people and they won't understand how God is loving, how you're loving anyway. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand on our feet. Let's pray. I'm calling you to strong love. Because strong love is how we're going to start businesses. Strong love is how we're going to start programs for people. Strong love is how we're going to be a difference maker in our community. Because of love. And when love comes, it makes change. And love doesn't need everybody to get right tomorrow. Love is long-suffering. Love is going to see people through their challenges, through their struggles. Because we're going to encounter some people who got big struggles. And guess what? Our God is bigger than their struggles are. Amen? Amen. We're going to see people through things that they can't believe we'll stand through them for. I want to stop, but I'm going to give you this last thing, and we're going to pray. I read an article about a police officer off-duty. He walked into a store, and while he's going into the store, there is a, a robbery going on. The robber shoots him, and he's shooting back at the robber. They both get wounded. He wakes up in the hospital. His daughter is sitting there, and his daughter said that when he woke up, the first thing he said is, how's the young man? So the officer's asking, how's the young man? And she said, I don't know how he is, and I don't care. He shot you. You got shot, pops. <laughs> he said, yeah, but I need to know how he is. And so the story goes on that he went and the young man ends up going to trial. He goes to the young man's trial. He asked the judge to have leniency on the young man who shot him. <laughs> the young man went to prison. This is a police officer. The young man went to prison. He visited him six times in prison when the young man was in there. <laughs> went to visit the guy's mother. When the man got out of prison, the guy's mother and the police officer were there waiting on him when he came out of prison. <laughs> Dude shot you. <laughs> And you're waiting for him outside the prison. Not to get him when he got out, but to bless him when he got out. And then the young man's part of the story took it on. He said, you know, I was in a bad situation and I, I shouldn't have been there. I knew better. He said, but things went wrong. He said, I served my time. And he said, when I got out and I saw him there, it just did something to me. The police officer mentored him, helped him. And the young man's in the ministry right now. Why is he there? He's there because love is bigger. Love is bigger. Love is big. Love is strong. Love is concrete. I want you to develop concrete kind of love in you. Amen? Concrete love, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta beat it to get something wrong doesn't give in easy. It's strong. Now, does that mean you're supposed to take a beating as a result of your love? You need to still be strong enough to tell the truth in love. And sometimes it's harder to tell the truth than it is to walk away from something. Amen? Amen. Let's all pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are our Father. I thank you for the strength of love that you're pouring out in your people. I thank you that the world is waiting to see the kind of love that only you can offer. And I thank you that right now, in the name of Jesus, you are using the love of God to make a difference in our lives. I thank you you are strengthening us with might in the inner man to give us a power of love that has tenacity, that has strength, it has ability, it has strength understanding 
You've been listening to today's message, which is titled The Power of Love from our series Purpose, Potential, and Power. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our website, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, other messages that may be of interest to you, and a lot of other great information. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.